0: Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby and KT. Thank you everybody for joining us today. Remember to hit us up at Building Our PWR on our social media channels. Um, if you were not tuned in to last week's episode, we are starting to raise money so that we can do some community organizing in the city. We have a goal of 150 bucks so that we can provide uh, food for our communities, little snacks, water, refreshments, as well as ink so that we can uh, print out propaganda and uh, resources, papers with resources to people. Um, again, 150 and we have a PayPal link in our description. We should. That's that on that. Um, before we get into our main thing that I'm so excited about. I just wanted to make anybody that didn't know aware of a strike that's going on in Topeka, Kansas. I think I said it right. They're doing a strike at the Frito-Lay factory um, because of inhumane working conditions. I mean, you get folks working 12 hours, 7 days a week. Folks who ain't had nothing but a 77 cent loan, uh, raise in like, Uh, 12 years Mm. um i think they had somebody die there actually and uh they barely got any time to process it you know they had to just keep working and so it's just a lot of stuff somebody got amputated at the job It's, it's just a lot so the people that are working there are asking that we do not cross the picket line as much as possible now pepsico is the parent company of frito Lay true if you see everything pepsico own, you wouldn't even believe it but they are asking if we can boycott and stop uh purchasing any frito-lay products for the time being that is your tostitos that is your doritos that is your fritos that is your cheetos that is your Funyuns. So, yeah uh fun. all that types of stuff um for the time being, please do not cross the picking line. It's nothing to get another bag of chips. You know what I'm saying? And these people, they need our help and our support to just get basic humane working conditions so definitely we'll put that link in the description for sure all right KT what are we talking about today
1: yep thank you so much Gabby um today's episode is actually going to be about the Combahee River Collective a black feminist lesbian socialist organization that was active in Boston from 1974 to 1980 uh, the collective consisted of many people, um, but just to name a few, it would be Audre Lorde, um, Barbara Smith, Demita Frazier. Um, basically, the collective's main argument was that both the white feminist movement and the civil rights movement were not addressing their particular needs as black lesbians. And so, basically, they created this collective, uh... And they have, like, one of their best known pieces was the Kumbahi collective, or Kambahi River collective statement. And what Gabby and I have decided to do is we're actually going to start a, sort of like a series here, probably about three parts. Uh, we're going to have Gabby read parts of it, and then um, we'll just kind of discuss it so that we can get an idea of, you know, even during the 1974 to 1980, what was happening then, and how can we apply it to now?
0: Yes, and we want it to be a dual type of study. Studying, um, if you have any comments about some of the passages we're reading and some of the takes, definitely you can uh hit us up on our socials and in our YouTube comments, uh, and keep the discussion going for sure. All right, I'm gonna start with it. (laughs) So it starts like this. We are a collective of black feminists who have been meeting together since 1974. During that time, we have been involved in the process of defining and clarifying our politics, while at the same time doing political work within our own group and in coalition with other progressive organizations and movements. The most general statement of our politics at the present time would be that we are actively committed to struggling against racial, sexual, heterosexual, and class oppression. And see as our particular task, the development of integrated analysis and practice based upon the fact that the major systems of oppression are interlocking. The synthesis of these oppressions creates the conditions of our lives. As black women, we see black feminism as the logical political movement to combat the manifold and simultaneous oppressions that all women of color face.
1: So kind of an introduction to um, intersectionality, pretty much. That's kind of what that sounds like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We will discuss four major topics in the paper that follows the genesis of contemporary black feminism, two, what we believe the specific province of our politics, three, the problems in organizing black feminists, including a brief history of our collective, and four, the black feminist issues and practice. One, the genesis of the contemporary black feminism. Before looking at the recent development of black feminism, we would like to affirm that we find our origins in the historical reality of Afro-American women's continuous life and death struggle for survival and liberation. Black women's extremely negative relationship to the American political system. A system of white male rule has always been determined by our membership in two oppressed racial and sexual castes. As Angela Davis points out in Reflections on the Black Woman's Role in the Community of Slaves, Black women have always embodied, if only in their physical manifestations, an adversary stance to the white male rule and have actively resisted its inroads upon them and their communities in both dramatic and subtle ways. There have always been black women activists, some known like Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, Frances E.W. Harper, Ida B. Wells Barnett, and Mary Church Terrell, and thousands upon thousands unknown who have had a shared awareness of how their sexual identity combined with their racial identity to make their whole life situation and focus of their political struggle unique. Contemporary black feminism is the outgrowth of countless generations of personal sacrifice, militancy, and work by our mothers and sisters. So, obviously, pretty much just saying we ain't new to this, we true to this. And even if... Like we talked about uh, last week, even if we didn't have the words to describe feminism, even if we didn't have the words to describe our resistance in our homes against the patriarchy, it has always been there. And this is just a continuation of it. And we just now have language and organization to get it all, you know, in a good little wrap package. Package, Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Okay? A black feminist presence has evolved most obviously in connection with the second wave of the American women's movement beginning in the late 1960s. Black, other third world, and working women have been involved in the feminist movement from the start. But both outside reactionary forces and racism and elitism within the movement itself have served to obscure our participation. In 1973, black feminists, primarily located in New York, felt the necessity of forming a separate black feminist group. This became the National Black Feminist Organization, NBFO. Black feminist politics also has an obvious connection to the movements for black liberation, particularly those of the 1960s and 70s. Many of us were active in these movements, civil rights, black nationalism, the Panthers. And all of our lives were greatly affected and changed by their ideologies, their goals, and their tactics used to achieve their goals. It was our experience in disillusionment with these liberation movements, as well as experience on the periphery of these white male left that led to the need to develop a politic that was anti-racist unlike those of white women, and anti-sexist, unlike those of black and white men. Okay, so, oh, what are they saying? they saying they tried what uh, y'all are trying to get us to do right now. Which is for us to just uh, be in this uh, plain little, we're all working class. This plain little, we're just fighting for black liberation. They tried on both sides. And what they found out was, um, y'all weren't fighting for everybody. The white women were fighting just for the white women. Right. The white man was fighting just for the white man, the white working class. And the black liberation movement was very sexist and very homophobic. So they said, you know what? We ain't, we're not accomplishing anything in here. There's no use in me getting these organizations to be harmed, to be overspoken, to be uh, harassed. We have to create our own thing. And that was one of the reasons that they did.
1: I think that um, it's interesting because, you know, this is a collective, like we said, that's in like 74 up to 80, 1974, and they were having these problems then, right? And so even now, we still have th- this issue of white leftists, whether it be uh, women or men or non-binary, who are still, who are still doing this to black lesbians. To to black masculine presenting lesbians even, mm-hmm. and so um yeah there we hopefully within this uh, we can gain some knowledge and try to figure out what we can do to make it better. Yep.
0: All right. Uh, there is also undeniably a personal genesis for black feminism that is the political realization that comes from the seemingly personal experiences of individual black women's lives. Black feminists and many more black women who do not define themselves as feminists have all experienced sexual oppression as a constant factor in our day-to-day existence. As children, we realized that we were different from boys and that we were treated differently. For example, we were told in the same breath to be both quiet for the sake of being quote ladylike and to make us less objectionable in the eyes of white people. As we grew older, we became aware of the threat of physical and sexual abuse by men. However, we had no way of conceptualizing what was so apparent to us, what we knew was really happening. Black feminists often talk about their feelings of craziness before becoming conscious of the concepts of sexual politics patriarchal rule and most importantly feminism the political analysis and practice that we women use to struggle against our oppression the fact that racial politics and indeed racism are pervasive factors in our lives did not allow us and still does not allow us most black women to look more deeply into our own experiences and from that sharing and growing consciousness to build a politics that will change our lives and inevitably end our oppression. Our development must also be tied to the contemporary economic and political position of black people. The post-World War II generation of black youth was the first to be able to minimally partake of certain educational and employment options, previously closed completely to black people. Although our economic position is still at the very bottom of the American capitalist economy, a handful of us have been able to gain certain tools as a result of tokenism in education and employment, which potentially enable us to more effectively fight our oppression. Okay, so let's talk about this part that we read. So uh, pretty much it's saying that as black girls or people who were brought up as black girls.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We saw the, we saw the intersections of things. We saw how we were treated in black households, the way we were conditioned to act, the roles that were placed on us. Um, but we also saw racism as well. And growing up in a black household, some things you just you just weren't allowed to talk about. We were able to talk about racism, but that the sexism stuff, it was you were like gaslighted. It said made to feel crazy before coming before becoming conscious in concepts of sexual politics and patriarchal rule. So pretty much just talking about the gaslighting that sometimes goes on. Uh, towards black girls when they want to express that they are feeling marginalized in the black communities. And if you don't have the education and the words for it, you will keep staying in that cycle. So they're pretty much saying, you know, now because they've been able to receive education, because of tokenism, because of affirmative action and stuff like that, they have more tools to uh, combat the oppression and teach others about the oppression. Um, okay, um... A combined anti racist and anti sexist position drew us together initially. And as we developed politically, we addressed ourselves to heterosexism and economic oppression under capitalism. Okay, number two what we believe. Above all else, our politics initially sprang from the shared belief that black women are inherently valuable. Amen. And that our liberation is a necessity, not as an adjunct to somebody else's, made because of our need as human persons for autonomy. Mm-hmm. This may seem so obvious as to sound simplistic, but it is as a it is apparent that no other ostensibly progressive movement has ever considered our specific oppression as a priority. Or worked seriously for ending that oppression. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the God dang truth? I was uh r- listening to Socialism Done done Left. Or no, Socialism for All. Oh, no, not Socialism Done Left. Socialism for <laughs> All. And he was reading this. You know, he a white guy. And he came with this part. And he was like, oh, this is just so depressing to think about. Oh, this is just so sad to think about. I'm like, dude, okay, white man, this is reality. What you finna do about it?
1: That's my thing. How come that... My thing is, it's like... And I have became a victim to this ideology as well. Whenever we look at issues or whenever we are reading certain things, we always just say, oh, that's a terrible thing. Oh white people specifically do that but we are we never have any type of uh even though we specifically hold that uh whiteness power or whatever we never specifically go into how we're going to change that within our own community to help each other not think in that that way
0: literally like all he had to do all he has to do is just add some black women onto his show he never does literally um if that was what you were all about okay Uh, Merely naming the pejorative stereotypes attributed to black women, mammy, matriarch, sapphire, whore, bulldagger, let alone cataloging the cruel, often murderous treatment we receive, indicates how little value has been placed upon our lives during four centuries of bondage in this western hemisphere. We realize that the only people who care enough about us to work consistently for our liberation are us. Our politics evolve from a healthy love for ourselves, our sisters, and our community, which allows us to continue our struggle and our work. That's the thing. You got to love black women. If you back this liberation work, because I I feel like a lot of times black women, cis, trans, black, non-binary women, you those they, they these people have to be at the forefront because if not we already know if we're in a patriarchal society why in the world would i tr- not be conscious of we cannot we cannot perpetuate perpetuate Patriarchy. This is an anti-patriarchal establishment. Patriarchy is the default. So I need to go out of my way to make sure that black films, black women's voices are in the forefront of whatever we're doing. And they have equal say, if not more say, to whatever the heck we got going on.
1: Instead of listening to these white men on YouTube. Exactly. i mm-hmm, Gabby
0: i do not This is no white man on YouTube uh, yeah. That was so, uh, last year. <laughs> that was so last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't let it like you. Okay. <laughs> this focusing upon our own oppression is embodied in the concept of identity politics. Mm. What is identity politics? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought that was a buzzword for some shit, some neoliberal shit. You telling me that socialists came up with the word identity politics? Hmm, let's see. We believe that the most profound and potentially most radical politics come directly out of our identity, as opposed to working to end somebody else's oppression. Can I get an amen? Amen. One more time. We believe the most profound and potentially most radical politics come directly out of our own identity. As opposed to working to end somebody else's oppression. So what do, what does that mean to you? That means you over here working for the working class. You over here working for a black patriarchy. It's just finna recreate the same systems that we already get. You ain't finna be free. They already working you like a dog as soon as you get up in there. So how in the world are you getting liberated? You ain't. You gotta fight for yourself. You got to liberate yourself. You got to make sure anybody that's in community with you, that's organizing with you, is about you and for you, not you helping them out.
1: Mm-hmm. Woo!
0: In In the case of black women, this is particularly repugnant. Dangerous, threatening, and therefore revolutionary concept because it is obvious from looking at all political movements that have preceded us that anyone is more worthy of liberation than ourselves. We reject pedestals, queenhood, and walking ten paces behind. To be recognized as human, levelly human, is enough. So they're saying they also reject this whole thing, this like uh, condescending patriarchy uh patronizing patriarchy that's like black women is queen, black women is beautiful, build the black women, black girl magic. Because that 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 also strips out humanity. Now I'm the magical negro. Now I am I need I need to be seen as a human. I need to be seen as a human just as you, worthy of freedom, worthy of liberation. I'm not some strong black woman that can take anything. I'm not some woman that's supposed to be uh over here slaving behind you. And I'm also not some magical fairy that will accomplish anything you want me to do, like y'all did with Stacey Abrams, Mm -hmm. even though she a coon too. But you know what I'm saying? That's always what they do, and that's something else I'm going on tangent. These neoliberals tend to do now They really don't care about black women. Definitely don't care about working class black women. They care about black women that help them accomplish their goals. So they love Stacey Abrams. Oh, black girl magic, black girl magic. They love Kamala Harris. Oh, black girl magic, black girl magic. Black girl magic to these neoliberals mean black girl do what I say. Black girl help me accomplish all this stuff without asking for much. We over that. Over it. Black girl, uh, pretty much do all the organization for these, these leftist orgs going door to door because y'all too scared to go in the hood. And then, uh, maybe on February I get a picture. Like it's over with I ain't no reason we should have still been doing this in 2020, but here we go. Um, we believe that sexual politics under patriarchy is as pervasive in black women's lives as are the politics of class and race. We also find we also often find it difficult to separate race from class from sexual oppression because in our lives they are most often experienced simultaneously. Yes, ma'am. We know that there is such a thing as racial sexual oppression which is neither solely racial nor solely sexual. E.g. the history of white rape of black women by white men as a weapon of political repression. The history, okay, let's go to this. The history of rape of black women by white men as a weapon of political repression is both racist, sexist, also uh, capitalist, literally, and any other issue you want to throw up in the colonialist. That is a black woman's experience. And the fact that everybody wants us to pick which one we want to be. Are you going to be black? Are you going to be a communist? Are you going to be a feminist? That don't even make sense in my life. I don't have one day where where I'm walking around and I'm just black. I don't have one day where I'm walking around and I'm just uh, assigned female at birth or uh, perceived as a woman sometimes. I don't have one time in my life where I'm not descended from slaves. Like, that, And some people don't get that. That's why identity politics was coined, that's why intersectionality was coined, because you cannot remove yourself from the systems that oppressed you. It's not like one day it's like, okay, well, all the racists, we just gonna be racist today. And then tomorrow, we're going to just be sexist to you today. Here's the it's thing. Never, it's always going on.
1: You're you're absolutely correct. You cannot remove yourself, right? You, right. yourself, and black women and people who are black and are perceived as women or who are have that womanhood experience. Absolutely. But then you have these white male left- leftists or white women leftists even who don't have that same experience. And then they try to police you. On that experience that you yourself have had, literally, as they're speaking about in this book, and as you know, since birth, practically. Mm. And so, yeah. We got, so we got some work to do on it's, the white but people that's side. that's the thing. But
0: it's, it's the people that only have, like, one level from white malehood or mm-hmm. white man. Yeah. They always say, well, you got it too. Well, just because you're one level from being a white man don't mean that I'm...
1: We have different experiences. And it's, they always to My problem is, it's always reduced to, "Okay, well, once we get rid of class, we'll be all right." Like they're absolutely correct to say, there's absolutely no way to remove race from class. You can't. You cannot just do that. If you have some real understanding of how intersectionality even works, it's not possible. It's not possible. A, a white Appalachian and
0: a, a a black person in the hood over here, they may both be poor. They may both have the same amount of money in a bank account, but they have have two different experiences. Yep. They both navigate this world differently. And if the white one cleans up and get his teeth fixed, he's going to have a better chance at life and vice versa. Even if he don't even have no money. Literally. Literally. Okay. Woo! Guys, okay, get me wrapped right up. Okay. Although we are feminists and lesbians, eh, we feel solidarity with progressive black men and do not advocate the fractionalization that white women who are separatists demand. Our situation as black people necessitates that we have solidarity around the fact of race, which white women, of course, do not need to have with white men unless it is their negative solidarity as racial oppressors. We struggle together with black men against racism. We also struggle with black men about sexism. So this is a key thing as well. They say they're not separatists. They will work with progressive men. I will as well. Where they at? As soon as they come to me, those are the people that I get in community with. But I ain't working with no hotel. I'm sorry. If that's what they were doing, I'm not doing it. (laughs) But definitely, that is the... That's the struggle because white women, when y'all are fighting against, uh, fighting for feminism, fighting against patriarchy, the only people you really fighting is white men. Like that's it. It's just white men and then y'all up there.
1: And here's the thing. Whenever we say we're fighting against white men too, when we think of the context of feminism, uh, really all we want is the same equal pay. We have absolutely nothing else at this point. We have uh, the right to vote. We had the right to wo- vote way before black people even did. We literally have everything that we need as white people. We even are in CEO positions. White women are. Um, the only thing that we do not have is that little twenty extra, thirty extra cents. Yep, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. it. Really, it's not. It's not about fighting oppression for us. It's not. It's about fighting. To become a powerful person. There you go.
0: There you go. And that's the difference between being a black feminist radical and just somebody that's fighting the white man right. on either side. Um. All right. We realize that the liberation of all oppressed peoples necessitates the destruction of the political economic systems of capitalism and imperialism as well as patriarchy. We are socialists because we believe that work must be organized for the collective benefit Of those who do the work and create the products and not for the profit of the bosses. Material resources must be equally distributed among those who create the resources. We are not convinced, however, that a socialist revolution that is not also feminist and anti-racist revolution will guarantee our liberation. Because it won't. It literally will not. We try to tell y'all this all the time. We have arrived at the necessity for developing an understanding of class relationships that takes into account the specific class position of black women who are generally marginal in the labor force. While at this particular time, some of us are temporarily viewed as doubly desirable tokens at white collar and professional levels. We need to articulate the real class situation of persons who are not merely raceless, sexless, sexless workers, but for whom racial and sexual oppression are significant determinants in their working economic lives. Although we are in essential agreement with Marxist theory as it applies to the very specific economic relationships he analyzed, We know that his analysis must be extended further in order for us to understand our specific economic situation as black women. You know what this reminded me of? We talk about Marx. Marx, I don't know how many times we got to say this stupid ass shit, was a damn white Man, was a part of the colonizing class. That man, even in his wokest, couldn't even scratch the surface of this deep-ass shit we talking about now. He over here talking about the working... It's just the working class. And it's just the working class against the bourgeoisie. And it's just the proletariat. Not speaking of the fact that, hell... Most of the time, some of the proletariats had black people working for them, taking care of their kids. Like, what, what relationship do we give that? What relationship do we give to the black people that was getting paid less than the white proletariat? Do we not, do we not see how they this white proletariat also has power to exploit people as well? Black people, undocumented people, do we not see that as well? Marx did some stuff. But if that's all you reading, you don't know S-H-I-T, which I'm going to end with this story. So, me and KT saw a TikTok. Mm. Oh, Lord Jesus, this white man who had a nanny.
1: Oh, gosh. I didn't know what story you were telling. Oh. Uh, oh.
0: He had a nanny, his little mama, whatever her name was, little Nancy. And he said that that nanny was with him since he was a baby and pretty much raised him his second mama. And he was just saying how he loved that nanny. He just loved her. And he said when, uh, a couple years after he she died, he watched her uh, to help. And when he watched the help, he he finally understood racism. He finally understood weight. Maybe there's more to this story. Then he got on there and he started crying and said, Do you think my nanny loved me? Because I don't know, because I knew we had all that racism stuff, but... I really loved her with all my heart. Do you think my nanny loved me? So then you get all these folks black and white. Oh yeah, she loved you. Oh yeah, she loved you. This, that, and the third. I scroll down in the comments, I say, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm looking for one comment and I got it. This one lady who said, Yeah, this didn't give what you what it's supposed to give. I am the child of a nanny who had to watch and take care of of white children my entire life so much that she couldn't even give me what what I needed and my siblings needed as children because she was too busy taking care of y'all asses. It don't matter if she cared about you or not. This was an economic system in which she was forced to neglect her own children. Literally. So that she can make money and survive. And you over here talking about I wonder from the love me shut up. You are rich. I looked at that man house, that man or uh, tailored ass suit. That this is what we talk about with the intersectionality of oppressions and stuff like this. That black black women in the labor force, it was a whole other ball game. It wasn't just that their labor is getting uh, exploited by the corporation. The labor is getting exploited by working class people, by middle class people, by upper class people, by literally raising this new group of oppressors with her own teddy milk, literally, and nurturing them so that she can be oppressed by them. Like y'all don't even get it. So I just wanna end on that. We will obviously it's gonna be long because you know we we like to rant and stuff like that. But Katie, is there anything else you'd like to add uh about the statement that we've read so far?
1: So um not not really. I think that uh, you know, I had read through some of this and had researched it a little bit before, and I definitely think that This is something that, and as we go through, you guys will realize, but this is something that we need now, especially in, like, the queer community. Because I feel like a lot of uh, white lesbians are still in the sphere of, like, uh, black women, you know, are lower than you. And so we, we definitely need this especially especially in the white queer community so absolutely so um yes this was just
0: our first part we don't know how many parts it'll be obviously it's gonna be maybe two maybe three but uh if you liked it and you have anything else you'd like to add to the statement something that you learned about some extra info or background you'd like to bring make sure you comment on YouTube or hit us up on social medias at building RPWR you can hit us up individually KT at KT does art hit me up at Gabby's music we can keep the conversation going we hope you enjoyed this little series and we're out. Bye!